Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to FX Moments, which is part of our Fick Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Charles Freeman. I'm the Chief G10 FX Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I will be joined by Stephen Chu, who is our Chief Asia FX and Rate Strategist. For, for my segment this time, and looking at the G10 currency space, uh, the, dollar, the dollar has been the big mover of late. And following the recent pullback in the dollar, uh, I think we, I will try to answer two key, two key questions for, for the dollar that will drive the outlook for the second half of the year. So the first question I want to try and answer today is what triggered the pullback in the dollar after what was looked like a one-way trade in the first half of the year and really since, since um, the second half of 2021. Over the past two weeks, the, the dollar pullback was about 3%. So th that's, that's the first question. The second question is, how sustainable is this pullback? So on question one, I, I think what happened in the past few weeks is that there has been a change in focus in drivers in the currency market. And earlier on, early and for the first half of the year, um, beyond geopolitics, on, on the macro issue, the market was very much focusing on US inflation and hawkish Fed prospects, and that was clearly dollar bullish. And I think what happened in recent weeks the, the data that come out that have come out of the US, some of the data in, in any case have started to weaken, in particular in the housing sector. And I think the market now is starting to uh, have more concern about the US recession story and the stagflation worry that goes with it. And that's obviously more dollar bearish. And these, these preoccupations uh, and these concerns were more of a, of a driver for the euro and non-dollar currencies in G10 uh, earlier in the year. So that's, I think that was changed. So on the crucial question, is this sustainable? What, I, what I'm trying to do at this point when I make the app, when I uh, assess the, the outlook for the dollar is that I look at the recent drivers and what's been the dri driving the dollar higher uh, in the past few months. And beyond the US growth and rates, the, the, the next story is rates. As I said, you know, the, the hawkish uh, stance from the Fed had been very bullish earlier in the year. And now uh, there may start to be some question mark as to how much Fed tightening will get after all if the US data continue to weaken. And at the same time, I think what we're seeing in the market is a focus on other central bank in the G10 that are also embarking on normalization and in particular the European Central Bank. So this week uh, we also had the ECB adjusting to a much more hawkish language, clearly hinting that a rate hike uh, was imminent and most likely in the third quarter. And that's proving to be a game changer for the euro outlook. Uh, and, and again, you know, the, the monetary, the growth and monetary policy, um, the relative outlook, uh, US versus Europe was 
uh, overwhelmingly uh, dollar bullish earlier in the year, and that seems to be changing at least in relative terms. So remember, this is a relative yield story uh, differential that's becoming less supportive for the dollar. Uh, apart from that very important macro consideration, I also think that another driver that was super bullish for the dollar in early in the year, the geopolitical concern, the war in Ukraine, uh, it, it's becoming more of a local and perhaps a little bit less of a global FX driver. So this, this was a positive, um, a positive premium for the dollar earlier in the year. And I think the market sadly is learning to live uh, with those headlines and it's, it's, it's trading less, the euro is trading less on those, on those headlines. Or you could also argue that you know, this bad news is, is arguably priced in the euro already. Uh, so that's another reason I think why uh, the dollar outlook is becoming a little bit less favorable. However, I also think that we need to wait for one key condition uh, to be met, to, to become more convinced about a potential turning point on the dollar. And that relates to the overall risk environment, and in particular, the risk of potentially seeing another leg lower in the equity market and trying to understand what it would mean for the dollar. So up until now, one of the reasons why I was so bullish on the dollar and that worked out so well is because of this risk context uh, that was very shaky, very uncertain, equity market jitters, and that's helping the dollar via the safe haven flow uh, channel. Now, the question is, do you believe that uh, we won't get another leg lower in the equity market? Do you believe that do you feel comfortable enough with the outlook on the macro, on the geopolitical front, uh, to call it uh, a low on the equity market? And if that's the case, I think then there is a strong um, argument to, to expect the dollar to weaken uh, further and, and potentially to call on a turning point in the dollar. However, I, I'm still... I, I'm still on the cautious side. So I, I'd rather wait and see how the market and how the news flow comes through in the next, in the next few weeks and, and make an assessment on the overall risk climate and how um, different asset classes interact uh, before, before coming to that conclusion. So from an investment uh, strategy, investment perspective, I would say that the time may have come to reduce perhaps the the long um, dollar positioning that we uh, were favoring uh, earlier in the year, but not completely drop the dollar. I, I just feel that it's still a touch premature to do that. And given how much of a move we've had and how much of a potential sell-off we will get when it happens, uh, my view is that it's probably uh, more uh, interesting or more uh, favorable to join the bearish view a little bit later in the in the trade rather than trying to call a low um, uh, at the wrong time on the equity and a high uh, uh, at the wrong time on the dollar. Um, so in terms of other currencies, uh, and in particular, just one word on the euro, I, I would say that, you know, I think the euro context, um, because of what I just described here, because it's all related on, on the risk premium, on the, on the ECB, I just feel that the euro outlook is looking a little bit more encouraging than it was four or five weeks ago. 
Um, but if you don't want to go full on uh, euro dollar upside because of what I've just described, I think there are alternatives to, the, to that currency pair to be a euro bull. Uh, I'm thinking in particular about uh, euro yuan uh, and also on euro sterling and, and, and perhaps um, you know, a, a good way to start getting back uh, into the euro long exposure uh, without, um, without uh, having to be exposed to a, a strong dollar view at this point. So with this, uh, I will pass it on to Stephen for, for his part of the segment. Um, Stephen is our chief, GTEC, uh, chief Asia FX uh, and rate strategist. And today we're gonna to talk about a very interesting and, and, and a subject that's been, uh, uh, we've been asked about recently, and that's the Hong Kong dollar uh, and with the issue of currency pegs. So I guess I'll pass it on to Stephen. And my first question, can you just give us a, a background on the Hong Kong dollar peg and intervention? Sure, thanks, Rodri. So let me start with um, some backdrop on the Hong Kong dollar peg. So what it means um, for a Hong Kong dollar peg is the entire monetary base in Hong Kong will be backed by US dollar assets. So when we talk about monetary base, it includes um, the nooks and coins in circulation, and more importantly, the aggregate balance. So the aggregate balance represents the interbank liquidity situation here in Hong Kong. And whenever, if there is an FX intervention, so in the case of this time, it's Hong Kong dollar buying, then the aggregate balance will shrink and hence reducing the liquidity. So what happens after that, it's uh, we'll eventually see higher Hong Kong dollar interest rates and that in turn will support the Hong Kong dollar. So that's how the pack works. Just to name some levels, uh, right now we have the um, Hong Kong Monetary Authority, which is de facto central bank. So it runs the pack um, in the range of 7.75 per US dollar to 7.85 per US dollar. So whenever a dollar Hong Kong reach um, either end of the band, then they will come in to intervene. Either they will buy dollar or they will sell dollar. So in this case, again, they will sell the US dollar for Hong Kong dollar to just to support the Hong Kong dollar. There's one common misunderstanding uh, whenever this FX intervention happens is uh, markets tend to view the aggregate balance as FX reserves. So they always count the um, ever smaller reducing aggregate balance as the fact that uh, um, Hong Kong is losing its ability to defend the pack, but that is not correct because aggregate balance, as I said earlier, is part of the monetary base and hence it's a liability. So it's completely different to FX reserves, which is an asset to the central bank. So basically the HKMA runs an exchange fund, which is like a sovereign wealth fund. And then um, they have set aside dollar assets to back the entire monetary base. For example, um, the backing portfolio contains of dollar assets as high as 300 billion US dollar as of end of March. So that's um, huge. And uh, that's why it has the ability to defend the pack. So what about um, the FX intervention playbook? So what's our outlook? As we all know, the Fed is still pretty much quite hawkish. So we are gonna see more rate hikes uh, over the next few months. So we expect the US dollar and Hong Kong dollar interest rate differential to widen and hence dollar Hong Kong to hit 7.85 and trigger FX intervention again. Now, in fact, um, we already saw the first intervention on the 11th of May. And so far over the, 
the few several intervention from the HKMA, um, they already uh, intervened about over two billion US dollar, which is not large compared to historical standard. So this round, we estimate the total intervention to be in the range of near 16 billion US dollar to 36 billion US dollar. So that's how we view the, the ethics intervention playbook going forward. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much, Stephen. So uh, just uh, with, the, with all of this in mind, so what's your outlook actually for the, the Hong Kong dollar for the peg? What do you think there's a risk of, of de-pegging and, and what's the outlook for the currency? I'll start with the conclusion that we think the peg is safe. So why, let me start with the first one is the ability to defend the peg. So as we said, as long as Hong Kong local interest rates start to rise and eventually overtake that of the US, then the rate differential will start to lure carry trades and that will in turn back the Hong Kong dollar. And if you talk about um, whether the HKMA has the ability to defend the PEC, just now we talk about the 300 billion US dollar of backing assets. If you look at total size of the FX reserves, and then that's over 400 billion US dollar. And that easily plays Hong Kong within the top 10 central bank in terms of the size of the FX reserves. And don't forget China actually committed to defend the PEC for Hong Kong as well. And China, we know, Tops, um, tops the rank and uh, have over 3 trillion billion US dollar FX reserves. So we have to know that only Hong Kong and China together can decide the PAC's fate. And that has been the case since 1983 when the PAC was rolled out. And in 1997, PBOC has pledged explicitly to support the PAC as well. So, so that's why we know that there are more than sufficient ability to defend the PAC. So how about intention? Now, we think that um, there are not a lot of upside or advantage to unpack right now. Because when we talk about an unpack, then you have to talk about what's the solution, what's the alternative solution if you are not running a pack. Then obviously, it's going to be some kind of um, yuan adoption or probably pack to the yuan or even pack to a basket of currency that includes the yuan and maybe the dollar. So given that, China right now, it's actually facing some downward pressure in its economy and with the lockdown situation, very uncertain. So including the Yuan in the PAC doesn't really help the PAC itself. And it introduced extra uncertainty for both Hong Kong and China. Hence, that's why we think that status quo may be the best option right now. So finally, just to talk about the Hong Kong dollar outlook. We think that just because um, the Fed is going to hike rates further, so um, the widening US and Hong Kong rate differential will lead to the pair to hit 785 again, and will probably stay there for a period of time until Hong Kong interest rates start to overtake that of the US. Now, hence, we see a little upside um, for the dollar honky from here. In fact, we'll just wait for the Hong Kong dollar interest rate to rise, and then we think downside may be a better option. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks very much. That's certainly a theme that comes and goes and that's always of interest in the market. So I think this is it for today. I hope you found the podcast, the FX podcast, interesting. We will be back very soon. And thank you for listening. Thank you.